want to just kind of bring you back uh, to remind us where we left off from last time together. Uh, Jesus has just begun his ministry, and he's begun his ministry in Capernaum, of all places. And uh, within this starting of his ministry, he comes into the synagogue. Remember, the synagogue was not the temple. There was only one temple. There were many synagogues. The synagogues is what they were allowed by the Gentile nations uh, to be able to um, have a place for the Jews to come and worship. And uh, so Jesus comes in the synagogue as a traveling rabbi. Rabbis were given opportunity to speak uh, after the conclusion of the scripture reading and uh, to kind of exposit on that which was said. And you remember we talked about last week uh, how to let the word of God speak to you or minister to you. And Jesus spoke and he preached in such a way that uh, the Jews had never heard. They'd never heard the word of God presented the way in which Jesus did. And uh, this was completely uh, such a blow for them. The Bible tells us they were astonished at what was, what was said. They were astonished at what they heard. They were, they were pricked at the heart, convicted. And, and uh, the scribes who had normally were the ones to speak concerning the word of God had never spoken in this fashion. Remember, there is so much of a tradition and an oral law that was nothing written. It was nothing that was, that was anything official, but a law that, that was just um, kind of uh, uh, traditionally and uh, um, uh, formally put together. But there was no intent to genuinely gain and capture the truth of the Word of God. And that's what Jesus did that was significant above anything else. And remember, in the midst of Jesus' teaching in the synagogue, uh, suddenly uh, this man cries out, and, he, and it's a man who's possessed with a demon. And uh, that reminds us of the demon possession, reminds us that sin is not acceptable in the presence of God, that even the demon himself could not have sat under the teaching and preaching of God. So sin itself, when the word of God is preached and taught, uh, cannot settle. It cannot be settled. It is unsettling for the individual themselves. And this is what we find of that man, though uh, we do not see demon possession as much today in America, yet it is still a real and very real thing, and it still, it still can happen to an individual that draws himself so far away from the Lord and that does not even have a relationship with God. Remember, a believer cannot be demon-possessed. This man did not know Christ. This man had not given his life to Christ. This man is the complete example to us of an individual who was engulfed and given to an entirety of a life of sin. And Jesus casts this demon out of this man, and uh, that, uh, that demon, the Bible tells us, tore him as it left. As sin does in the life of any individual, uh, sin will always destroy. Uh, even when sin uh, will leave, it will bring destruction. And that's what it did to this man. But the Bible tells us as this demon is cast out, the people are once again astonished. They're amazed at what they've seen. They've never seen anything like this. And so it's at this point in time that uh, now we come back to see the, the, the people are understanding that this is not just any man. Uh, this, is a, this is a man who can do things which nobody else could ever do. Solomon understood that this was the Messiah. Others just saw that he could do miracles. Uh, at this time, you would have had people during this day and age who would have attempted to do some form of miracle, miraculous things, but they were not done through the power of God. And they would have required many more uh, uh, um, hoops to jump through, so to speak. Many more processes that would happen. And sometimes it happened, sometimes it didn't happen. But when Jesus spoke and he cast this demon out, it happened immediately. The Bible uses that word straightway so many times in Scripture, speaking in reference to the fact of Jesus' uh, uh, Jesus's ministry was 
in action. It was an immediate action. Everything which Jesus did was, was no lack. And it wasn't that he was always running everywhere he went, uh, but he wasn't sitting on his hands either. It was straightway. It was immediate. And when Jesus spoke and he did a miracle, it was the same way. It was straightway, and it was immediate. Look at verse 27 of Mark chapter 1. The Bible says, And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. So this is right after the fact, okay? This is the Sabbath day. He'd been in the synagogue, right after the synagogue. He does what any good Baptist does. He eats, okay? He goes right to go and eat. And the Bible tells us in verse 30, but Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever. And Anon, and they tell him of her. That word Anon speaks yet again of, a, uh, of immediately they tell him of her. In verse 31, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her and she ministered unto them. And even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of divers' diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. And in the morning, rising up a great while before the day, he went out and departed into a solitary place. And they prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, all men seek for thee. And he said unto them, verse 38, Let us go un into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For I therefore came I for, for, for therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, and casting out devils. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand. And touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away. And saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, uh, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy, uh, for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But he went out and began to publish it much, and to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was, there, uh, was without in desert places, and there came to him from every quarter. Let's pray together. Our heavenly gracious Father, uh, we've considered this morning our need and necessity to focus upon you, to seek you first, and to seek the things of the kingdom of God first in our lives. Lord, we desire that every blessing would be brought upon our lives as a result of our faithfulness. Our desire is to have a passion for you. Lord, as we consider the word of God this morning and this, the, the message that can be found for our lives here in Mark chapter 1, I pray that your Holy Spirit would uh, give understanding to each of us. Lord, help none of us, myself included, to see ourselves above Scripture Lord, none of us have accomplished or arrived in any way, shape, or form in our Christian life. We realize our need for you and our necessity for you. So, Lord, as we consider the application of your word today, Lord, may you give uh, clarity, understanding, and your Holy Spirit's uh, filling within our lives. And we ask and pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. We find Jesus yet now in full swing of his ministry. 
and all and now we're seeing yet three different miracles kind of back to back taking place uh, of this uh, demon possessed man and then uh, uh, Simon Peter's uh, mother-in-law and then we see also uh, this man with leprosy and the, the the cleansing that he's given all these things taking place in one day back to back this immediate action this this serving of God can I remind you that the entire theme that's found throughout the book of Mark is Christ the servant Continually, we see him serving others, serving others, giving himself for others. And it's as we continue to walk through this book that we'll be reminded of that coming along. I'm entitled the message this morning, Answering the Call to Ministry. Jesus had a ministry of his own, and he, he, he knew to what that which God called him to. Could I remind each of us today that you may not be in full-time ministry, but God has called us all to a ministry. Amen? God has called us all to a ministry, a ministry that is unto others, a ministry that uh, in, in order to be effective must be uh, uh, sought in, in, in such an order as to that which Christ's ministry was. And so that's what I want us to do here this morning with the Lord's help is to consider God's calling our lives to the ministry. And where does that ministry begin? I'd say to you, number one, in beginning uh, our, our message this morning, it be, the beginning of our ministry is in the home. What is the beginning of our ministry? It's in the home. In verse 29, where does Jesus go? He goes right into the home. This just doesn't but remind me of this fact, and that is we should let Jesus into our home. Amen. I wonder if we might ask ourselves honestly that question today, myself included. Is Jesus in my home? Is Jesus in your home? Is, is Jesus actively a part of the things which you do in your home? The things which you turn on the television? The things which you read, maybe your iPad or in your, in your books? Uh, the, the things uh, that you talk about with your spouse or your family? Uh, the humor that you find uh, in uh, things that uh, would really before God would be crude? Uh, you know, uh, we don't uh, uh, maybe as honestly as we should continually think of the fact that God is with us at all times. But we have to let purposefully let God into our lives, and more specifically, into our homes. And what do we find of, uh, of Christ in the home? Well, he comes into Simon Peter's wife. Significantly, here's uh, Simon and his wife. It's Peter that we only know of of the disciples. That was a married man. Others may have been, but the Bible makes reference of him having a wife, and particularly his mother-in-law is sick. And it's he who's sharing his home, not just with himself, but Andrew, uh, with James and John are there. So there's quite a few people living in this home. But Jesus is allowed to come into the home. The Bible tells us in verse 30 and 31, Simon Peter's and Simon's wife, mother, lay sick of a fever, and Annan, they tell him of her. Now, understand this, that at this point in time, uh, they, uh, uh, the, the disciples, as well as others, because Jesus is getting ready to do other miracles, they're getting ready to bring others to him. This is all purposefully done in the evening. Because on the Sabbath day, it would have been uh, considered wrong for the Jew to have uh, done any form of work, and that would have been working to have sought anyone out in that fashion. And so there's a purpose in why the Bible tells us in the timing of all this taking place. Well, the Bible tells us here Jesus comes into the home. They, Annan, they immediately tell him of her. They, knowing what Christ can do, they say, God, would you do what only you can do in her life? Well, that should be the prayer of every mother and father 
every parent, every husband and wife for their home? God, would you do what only you can do in our family? God, where there's healing, would you heal? God, where salvation is needed, would your salvation be made clear to them? God, would you use me even to be a minister to them the best that I can? What are we considering today? Answering God's call to ministry. God has called us all to ministry. And I'd say to you, first of all, your ministry begins in your home. Mother, father, your ministry begins with your children. Husband, your ministry begins uh, in your home. It begins with your wife. <laughs> Wives, your ministry begins with your husband. Uh, is our focus upon the home. We read further in Scripture that God tells us we are not to love the home more than we love God. But your first ministry, which God has called you to, is your home. When you give an account before God and stand before God for your faithfulness to Him, you will give an account for your home as well. Remember, husbands, pick on you here for a moment. The Bible tells us as husbands and fathers, we're going to give an account before God for our leadership in the home. Whether or not we have effectively led our family to be faithful in church, to be faithful in the Word of God, to be faithful in prayer, to be faithful in loving the Lord, to direct our family to live for Christ. We'll stand before God and give an account for that. Mothers, you also, and wives, you have a great responsibility as well, uh, not just for the sake of, of your husband's ministry, but to, to your children. There is an aspect and a, and a love and, and a way of mothers that only mom can do when it comes to the ministry of the home. I, I've learned uh, in my own home that there are things that my wife can say that uh, is, would seem to be so much more effective than when I say it. And uh, uh, that's, that's where God creates the, the home and the marriage to be together. It's not just the husband leading. It's not just the wife leading and the mother leading, but it's together. And we're husband, wife, mother, father together seeking to point our home towards God. We're bringing our children to church. We're bringing them to the word of God. We're memorizing scripture together. We're praying together. Uh, we're, we're actively serving God together. Your first ministry, my first ministry is our home. May, may God be allowed, may Jesus be allowed into the home. How is Jesus allowed into the home? Uh, we're not just talking about you have a Bible, but Jesus is a part of the things in your home. Uh, take Maybe just give you some examples. I'm not saying this because I've perfected it. Uh, I'm saying this because I've had people who have also encouraged me and challenged me in this way as well. But uh, maybe in the very things which your children do, uh, maybe you have a child that loves to color. Uh, what if they're coloring things that had to do with God? Maybe pictures of a picture of a Bible, <laughs> pictures of Bible stories. God is now a part of that. It gives you an opportunity to teach them. Uh, maybe other times uh, where the television which you watch, it may teach some good moral things, but maybe purposefully choosing to give them some television that's going to maybe teach some Bible principles as well. In the same way, when correction is being made involving God in that correction, is God pleased in what you're doing? Mommy and Daddy aren't pleased, but would God be pleased? You understand that's sin. God doesn't like that. That's not acceptable before him. Our first ministry is in the home. And may God give us that wisdom. We need his wisdom in it, amen? But we must never forget that that's where it all begins. Many times uh, that it, it can, uh, a Christian can come out wrong where our first ministry becomes in the church. Now, I believe 
if your ministry is first in the home, the family will be involved in the church, in serving in the church. But sometimes it happens the other way, and there's a serving ministry for God within the church first, and the family is forgotten. Uh, it should not be. There's an order to things. God has a purpose in those things. And if God is, but if God is the pursuit, they will be done in that order into which God has laid it out for us. And, uh, you know, you, you can read in the book of Ephesians, and yet uh, further on in, in, in Scripture of the roles in which God gives to the, to the husband and to the wife, to the mother and to the father, to the child within the home, and what is uh, by God's instruction to be done. And not to say that we are perfect individuals and we're perfected to its entirety, but the Word of God should be our guide when leading the home. Amen? We, we can sometimes, you know, have this uh, mentality, I know uh, as a father, sometimes it can be, well, uh, I just want it done because this is what I want done, and, uh, you know, don't ask me questions, just do what I tell you to do, you know. Well, what does the Word of God tell us that we are to do? Let God into the home. Let God be involved in the aspects of your life. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a powerful thing in, in teaching your children to pray. Pray before your food. Uh, pray within time of devotions. Uh, you know, praying for the right things for people for needs for spiritual things learning to thank god for those things uh, i'm not sp speaking that i perfected this i'm saying this is what god would desire for all of us within the home and we're just we're just lightly touching on this you want to go further in depth like i said read uh, other of paul's writings and he speaks much on the family but may god help us and give us wisdom to do so and by the way what works for your family may not work for another family there's not just one way to do things but if God is involved in it, that's, that's the, that is the intent. And just because your child is, is a junior higher uh, doesn't mean that they are, you know, now should be making all the decisions on their own. Keep pointing them to Jesus. Amen? Keep pointing them to Jesus. And just because your children are lo no longer in the home doesn't mean that you shouldn't keep pointing your spouse and pointing your home to Jesus. Amen? Christ should be involved in all of those things. So let Jesus be in the home and let a servant's heart define your home. The Bible tells us that immediately here, the, the, the disciples, knowing of the need, they brought it directly to God. You know what the needs are in your home. Maybe it's your child, you're praying for their salvation. And by the way, uh, that should be the prayer, I believe, for every parent from the moment their child is born, that God would bring them to a saving knowledge of Christ. Amen? Even, even before they are even yet at that point of understanding. Pray for that. And it, could we just assert this as well? Uh, pray for the, the person that they'll someday marry. It may be many years away, but pray for that now. Begin with that now. Pray that God will bring them to the, to the right college, to the right occupation. Pray that God will give them wisdom to make the right decisions. Those things don't, you don't wait for those later on. You, you begin now. Someone says, well, wait a minute, I failed. I should have already done that. I wish I had done that. You can still pray. You can still Point your family, point your home to Jesus and trust God by faith in those things. And you know what's a great thing is when as, as God gives opportunity and whether your, parent, your, your child is grown and older and out of the home or whatever it may be, you're then able to say, hey, I want you to know I prayed for you today. You've you now led Jesus into your home. You've now involved Jesus uh, in, in your family's life. You've now pointed your family's mind to Christ just from that very statement. Let a servant's heart define your home, constantly thinking of the needs of others. I realize I'm talking to some that maybe within your home there's more than, uh, than maybe just blood-related family. You know, some people uh, live with many other friends that maybe have a need or there's somebody else in your home. 
What are the, let's speak specifically of, what are the spiritual needs in your home that God can do in the life of those people through you? What are the spiritual needs? If there's a need of salvation, there's a need of discipleship, or there's a need of, uh, of faithfulness to God in, uh, if there's an, uh, in, in church, in the Bible, in prayer, what are the spiritual needs? A, a, a husband, a wife, a mother, and father should never stop actively pursuing the spiritual needs for their home. I'm always discerning, how can I strengthen my relationship with God, our relationship with God? How can my family be brought closer to Christ every day? That's a pursuit. Again, we just sang the songs here today, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, uh, a passion for thee. That comes from us bringing Christ into the home. So I say to you, number one, God has called us all to ministry, and our ministry begins in the home. Number two, understand the power of our ministry. I've referenced this already, but it's the power that comes from God through prayer. Notice as the word of God continues in, in this passage, the Bible tells us in um, uh, verse 31, here's that minister's heart. The Bible tells us, and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. As some ministered to her, now she's ministering to others. Verse 32, and at even, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. There's that, that ministry continuing. I'm letting my home be an outreach into the community. I'm now letting what my home be a ministry of God. Okay, and, and boy, uh, remember, where does all wealth come from? It comes from God. Your home should be like a, a lighthouse for Christ. Amen? That others, when they see your home, they know that Christ is there. That others, when they're invited over to your home, and uh, hopefully you have people over to your home, <laughs> that you, you keep Christ, the emphasis there. Uh, we, we, God doesn't give us things. God doesn't give us a home simply to hold on to it for ourselves, but that we can minister. So when we talk about a servant's heart defining your home, it's as Peter's mother-in-law did. She immediately ministered. The moment there wasn't any lack of, uh, I got it. Let me regain my strength here. I'm, I was sick and I'm not. No, immediately she was healed and immediately she ministered. She did exactly what she could right away. And right after that, here are the disciples uh, at this time. They're saying, hey. Let's go get others. Let's, let's, let's let God uh, use us to minister to others as well. And so now let's look at Jesus and what he does in following. The Bible says, uh, verse 33, and all the city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many that were sick of divers' diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. And in the morning, okay, now take note. The Bible specifies this is in the morning. Everything else before then was in the previous day. It's been a long day, okay? Jesus uh, has acknowledged the Sabbath day. He's gone to the synagogue. He's spoken in the synagogue. He uh, delivered the demon, the demon out of that possessed man. Then he goes over. He has lunch. And during that lunch at Simon's uh, house, he does many, 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 many other healings. It's been a very undoubtedly exhausting day. And we know from Scripture that as Jesus was 100% God, he was also 100% man, he, there, he felt that exhaustion. But what does he do? He rises in the morning a great while before the day. So 
Uh, I, you know, maybe you're great while before the day is 8 o'clock in the morning, but usually by the time 8 o'clock in the morning hits, there's things, at the very least, your phone will probably be ringing or vibrating or something, okay? But there, the, 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 the Word of God does make note of the fact that, hey, when Jesus came to Christ, there wasn't any lack of uh, desire to come to God in prayer. Even Jesus himself prayed, if you haven't caught that by now, okay? Jesus is praying to God. He's, he's asking, uh, the, the coming to God uh, in, in prayer that, Lord, help me to keep pursuing your will. Help me to, uh, to be faithful to you. Help me to, uh, to exemplify you and to glorify uh, you in what I do. And the Bible tells us, so Jesus goes, and what does he do? He rises early in the morning, and he, he departs into a solitary place. There's something to be said about that place that you go to God in prayer. What is that place for you? Do you have a solitary place? Quite honestly, your solitary place could be in your car. But I say to you, effectively, it, it should be at a time in which you're not just uh, making God a part of your schedule, but you're determining to make him the priority of your schedule. So I'm not just inserting God. God is before all things. He's first. He begins all things. I can't go about the day without first coming to God. I can't expect wisdom. I can't expect his Holy Spirit's power. I can't expect strength to go about the day without looking to God. There is a purposeful intent to put God first in that morning. So it should be in the believer's life as well. It should be in you and I's life as well, that we're putting God first. He goes into a solitary place. Uh, maybe your home is like my home, that sometimes it's very noisy when the kids are up and they're running around and there's lots of screaming. Uh, uh, purpose purpose to find a place in a time of prayer. Uh, you know, uh, I, I truly genuinely believe that we all can make time for the things that we genuinely want to do. And if we want to make time for God, we'll find time for it. If we want to designate time for him, we will do it. We will determine to do it. We'll, we'll, it'll, it'll may strain our, our own um, rest, but we know and believe that it's necessary for our lives. And uh, like a person who's working out, you know, they, they get into, they're working a habit. They know that I've got to get up this morning. I've got to do my run. I've got to work out these biceps. I've got to uh, do, do these calisthenics. I've got to do these stretches, all these things necessary. Because if I don't, then I'm not going to be able to keep up uh, the strength in my body and, or maybe shed the weight that I'm trying to shed or, or stay fit as I'm wanting to stay fit for. That, that individual is determining that I'm setting this time aside for this purpose. Well, the believer does and should do. The same thing. God, I'm setting this time aside to pray. The power of our ministry. We cannot effectively be a minister in our home, be a minister in our community, be a minister in any way, shape, or form without the power of God. Amen? You can go through the motions of Christianity without the power of God. But let me tell you, when you let God work through you, oh, what blessings and what honor and what privilege could I remind you today, it's not just about I'm doing what God desires for me because I want the blessing in return. No, it's a privilege that God would so desire to use us. But boy, we've got to let him in. We've got to give him rightful place. We've got to have, we should have that solitary place, that place that is away from everything else. And here's what's interesting as you continue to read on. The Bible tells us in verse 36, he departs into a solitary place, and there prayed, in verse 36, and Simon, and they that were with him followed after him. And when they found him, okay, so they've known that he's left, they, they know where he's gone, 
They find him, verse 37, and when they found him, they said unto him, all men seek for thee. I don't know about you, but I almost seem to gain somewhat of a tone of, hey, Lord, don't you see the needs of all the people out here? You don't really have time anymore to do this. Let's go take care of all the needs out here. Don't you see, oh, there's lots of people that need healed. There's lots of problems out here, Lord. Uh, Let's go fix all the problems. But here's the order of things. Jesus said, no, I'm purposing to depend upon God for the power and ability to do so. I'm giving him the attention. And as we continue to read, it's Jesus and the whole reason why he came. Catch this, was not just to do miracles. Notice verse number 38. And he said unto them, let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For, mark it in your Bible if you're going to have a mark in your Bible. For therefore came I forth. Disciples said, hey, there's all these needs over here. Look at all these people that have needs. They're lining up. Jesus, they're waiting for you. All you got to do is come down there and you can do all these healings and and just like you did the other day, and that'll be great. And Jesus says, no, I didn't come to do miracles. Someone says, well, wait a minute, pastor. I thought you said the book of Mark was about Jesus being the servant. Why is he not serving the needs of the people? Jesus says, I didn't come to do miracles that people would know me for my miracles. Jesus said, I came to this earth that people on this earth would come to know who God is. The reason why I'm seeking to meet the needs of others is that they would be pointed to God, not so that they see who I am. And when Jesus says, for therefore came I forth, Jesus says, this is the whole reason why I came, to be a servant of God, <laughs> to that others would be drawn to God through my ministry. So it should be the same for the believer. Let me tell you, if we wanted to find needs of individuals, we would find them everywhere. Every, there, there's all kinds of needs. Uh, uh, If a church is actively seeking to to look for needs in a community, you will find them, guaranteed, no problem. Let me tell you, even for the church, for the believer, for the home, it's not just to meet the physical needs, but the spiritual need. The spiritual need. Do they know Christ? Let's get the gospel to them. Do they need discipled? Let's disciple them. Let's point them to Christ. Let's not let them see who Community Bible Church is and what they can do. Let's let them see who God is and what God has for them, that he loves them, that he cares for them. That's what's important. It's unfortunate to say that so much in our community, that in our churches in America, that the focus has gotten off. We're meeting the needs of others, but we're not pointing others to the gospel, to the salvation of Christ. And oh, how Jesus himself shows us in his very actions that, hey, all these people are lining up for needs, and Jesus says, we're going to go to another town. We're going to leave here and go somewhere else. Jesus was not saying, I don't love them. Jesus was saying, the whole reason why I came is that Christ should be known. There's many others that need Christ. I can sit and try to meet the needs of people all day, of physical needs, but there's much more important need that others would come to know who the Messiah is, what I came to this earth to do, what I'm going to do on the cross, and in my dying on the cross, what that will accomplish. That should be the same focus for Community Bible Church, every believer, every home. We're all called to the ministry of God. We are all called to serve others, but most specifically, we're called to serve others in the spiritual needs. How can I help you spiritually? What can I do for you 
in pointing you closer to Christ? How can I encourage you? How can I build you up? How, how can I, uh, how can I um, draw you to an, uh, an understanding of, of who God is and a saving knowledge of him? What can I do for you spiritually? Oh, that God would stir our hearts. A passion for thee. We just sang the song. May God give us such a passion for others. And I say to you, that leads me into the very last point, and that is the priority of our ministry. The beginning of our ministry, it begins in our home. Our home should become a ministry in and of itself. A lighthouse that is now serving. We're leading the family to serve and to minister to others through our home. We're depending on the power of God through prayer to effectively to be able to do that work. But now, the priority. And that's where Jesus placed the emphasis. The gospel. The priority is the gospel. Let's continue to read verse 38. The Bible says, And he said unto them, Let's go in the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth, and he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, and cast out devils. So Jesus is speaking yet again. And undoubtedly the response in those synagogues is the very same as we just saw in Capernaum. The people are, are amazed. This is not just any man. And again, why is Jesus doing all these things? Why is he casting out devils? Why is he doing these miracles? To point others to Christ. Look at verse number 40. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Remember that lepers during this time were in the very uh, sense of the name were considered unclean, especially to the Jews, because there were many things that were considered unclean. And so the lepers were even as outcasts. They weren't allowed into the community. In verse 44, it makes reference to the very um, thing which lepers um, who uh, were to be considered clean in the process in which they were to come at that. The Bible says in verse 44 that they were to go, Jesus instructs them, go to the priest and offer thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Show them that you are no longer with leprosy. In other words, so that you are given the green light to go back into to, to your community. These were outcasts. The fact that Jesus would even talk to this leper was amazing. It was never seen. It was absurd to consider. What is, what is, this, what is Jesus doing? He's going to get leprosy. Does he not understand how contagious this thing is? Does he not understand how life-threatening this is? Does he not understand how he's also going to become an outcast as a result of communing together with this leper? Remember, as we saw with the demon-possessed man, these sicknesses give us a picture of that which sin does in the life of an individual. And I wonder how many times that when God gives opportunity for people with what we may use the word in the figurative sense, have leprosy, and they come to the ministry of God. Do we come to them? Do we say, ah, stay away from me. Sorry, we don't get along. Sorry, you're just a little bit strange. You smell funny. Sorry, we're, you know, this isn't, this isn't I, I, I'm just going to sit with my family. I'm just going to minister to my family. I'm just going to talk to the people that I know. I wonder, do we as a church together seek to minister to the lost? And there are some people that God brings along our way that, for lack of a better way of putting it, they just have a rough background. They've got some things which they're working through in life. And what are they trying to do? They're just trying to seek Jesus. They're just trying to seek help. 
They're just trying to seek cleansing. How do I get myself out of this hole I've dug myself into? And as believers, what opportunity God gives to us? Amen? I, I, I know for a fact God has brought many of those types of people into our church. I wonder, how is God using you to minister to them? And by the way, the ministry, remember, it doesn't begin with you. It begins with your home. How is your family ministering to them? What are you doing together? How are you depending upon the, the power of God through prayer to minister to them? The Bible tells us, verse 40, there came a leper beseeching him. He's begging him. He's down on his knees saying unto him, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. God, if, if you would be so willing, and yet we know from Jesus' heart and spirit and attitude and all this, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is always willing. Amen? Praise the Lord for that. No matter who it is, anyone can come to God, and God will hear, the, hear them, and God will heal them, and God will forgive them of their sins. The Bible tells us in verse 41, and keep in mind of all this, why is the leper coming to him this way? He's coming to him the same way all the others are coming to Jesus. They're only seeing a man who does miracles. And what is Jesus seeking to do? Though not all will understand, Jesus is seeking them to say, don't look at the miracles, look at God the Father. And what do we find multiple times throughout Jesus' ministry? He keeps coming to God in prayer. God, uh, if this is your will, even before he went upon the cross, God, if it be your will, if it is not your will, then I'll do it. God, if this is your will, constantly coming to the, to the Lord, constantly coming to God. The Bible tells us in verse 41, and Jesus moved with compassion. Well, the Bible tells us in, in, in the book of Jude, and some have compassion making a difference. You can't effectively minister to anyone if you don't have compassion on them. Boy, may God stir our hearts to have a compassion for the lost, to have a compassion for those with spiritual needs. God, help me to do what I can to help them. Moved with compassion, he put forth his hand and touched him. You know, it goes without saying, but sometimes just a, a, a hug, an arm around, an arm and encouraging somebody is all that's needed. Just an open hand. Hey, I'm here for you. We're talking about God's example. I believe in many ways Jesus has modeled the example of ministry and serving others right here in Scripture, one which we can apply into our own lives. I'm here for you. I'm praying for you. I know this is difficult. I can't even understand what you're going through. But God loves you. He cares for you. God's desire is that you would uh, have a, a growing relationship with him. The Bible continues, he's moved with compassion, he put forth his hand, he touches him, he saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, notice the word again, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. That Jesus, the, the very fact that Jesus would touch the leper is beyond our understanding. But what did he do? He cleansed this man physically, but yet further, he cleansed this man Spiritually. Now, we remember this fact. We can't do the work of the ministry on our own. God does the saving where saving is needed. God does, uh, the, uh, gives the wisdom where wisdom is needed. Uh, we can, in our own wisdom, direct people and open hand reach out to people. But when the power of God is behind us, uh, I believe that's when God blesses. Because when we, doing it, when we are doing it in our own strength, um, we're, de we're depending on the result of what we can do and not for what God can do. 
always pointing it back to Christ. We're answering this question today, and that is, has God called us to a ministry? Yes, he's called us all to a ministry, a ministry to serve others. That beginning of our ministry is in the home. That ministry continues through the power of God in prayer. And that priority within the ministry should be the gospel. Well, I, I know that's my prayer for our church, for my life, for my family, for my home. That Christ would be the emphasis. That Christ would be the priority. Someone says, oh, well, pastor, of course, that's easy for you. You're, you're a pastor. Look, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were educated ministers focused in ministry individuals, and they got their focus off wrong. What I'm saying is, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm talking to myself as well. May God help us in the ministry in which he's called us all to. The ministry of Community Bible Church is the ministry of every home, of every family within the church. The ministry of Community Bible Church is every family within the church working together to accomplish the priority. That we're saying the very same thing which Jesus said. For therefore came I forth. The whole reason why we are here is to point others to Christ. Pointing others to Christ. If they're not saved, we're seeking to reach them with the gospel. If they are saved, we're seeking to encourage them and build them up in Christ to a greater uh, growing love in Christ. I wonder... How is your ministry? You may not have maybe thought of it this way, that God has called you to ministry in the, in the uh, sense of occupation or for a living in that way. But spiritually, God has called us all to ministry. We need God's help in the home, amen? amen. We need God's power through prayer. And the gospel, if, if, if Christ is not given the preeminence in those other things, the gospel doesn't become the priority. Unfortunately, it becomes the minority. It be, can become the very last of the things which we think about. Jesus was talking to, in many ways, <clears throat> very, and he was ministering to very spiritual people. Remember, these are Jews. By their very culture and tradition, they're practicing forms of religion which have to do with Christ himself. But there were many of even the Jews themselves who had no understanding of the Messiah. I say to you, the thing that is very true of our society, our community today, there are many people who uh, are going through the forms of religion. They may even call themselves a Christian, but they don't know the Lord. Christian, may we never assume that anyone is a believer just because they say they are. Seek to do all you can to point them to Christ, to lead them to Christ, to make sure that they understand, hey, this is what the Bible says concerning salvation. The Bible speaks of such power of our, the testimony of every believer, that we can testify to others uh, of the day we came to know Christ. And I know when I'm seeking in my own life to try to reach someone, and someone shares with me, and, and what they're sharing with me in their testimony doesn't seem to be a really a clear uh, understanding of the gospel. I lovingly and with, the, with, with depending upon the Lord's help, I say, hey, you know, uh, that's great that you're in church, or that's great that you were baptized, or that's great that you read your Bible. 
you know, the Bible does tell us that the gospel or salvation or eternal life together with God in heaven is by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and in him and him alone. And what is that doing? It's seeking to win others with the gospel. Now, it's not just my pastor's way of doing it. Maybe God would lead you in another way. But may that be, that be our focus. I can think of so many times where I failed. I failed at letting the gospel be the priority. Maybe, maybe you can relate with me on that. May God help us. We need his help. That's where prayer is so essential. I know God's been stirring my heart about that, that very thing. Depending upon the Lord's power. Focusing upon the Lord in prayer. It's nothing of me. It's nothing of what I can do. I can't do it on my own. And, and uh, can God do what only he can do? Absolutely. The greatest help that I can be to anyone is to help them where there's a spiritual need. That I would be known and stand be, when I stand before God that, that God would be able to say, hey, you've done what you can to try to help others spiritually. And uh, may God help us all to do such. Amen? Amen. Um, I wish I could say that you know, God calls pastors and they're the ministers and they do the ministry. But no, the ministry is the church. The word minister in ministry you know, actually means to serve. That's what actually, when you read in scripture and, and the word minister uh, in ministry is, is oftentimes the same word which is used for uh, where we get our English word deacon. A minister, or serving, serving others. That's God's desire when we say the, the ministry of Community Bible Church, the ministry of our church together, the ministry should be with a priority of the gospel, dependence upon God's power through prayer. But it does begin in the home. It begins in the home. Let's every head bowed and every eye closed. Thank you for listening today. And what a powerful passage of scripture. The example of Christ, I know, has stirred my heart. What the